welcome to The Feathered Desert, a podcast all about desert bird feeding in the southwestern region of the United States. So welcome to The Feathered Desert. Today's podcast is titled The Three Herons of Arizona. And Arizona is known for its dry heat and desert landscapes, but this state has waterways, natural and man-made, that have attracted a bird family known for its skilled fishing and water wading. Herons. Kirsten and I are going to be talking about just three of the herons that live in Arizona year-round. Our state is host to several other less-known um, uh, birds, uh, that migrate here in the summer to breed. The first one is one of my favorite birds to watch, the green heron. Yes, I have, I have to admit this one's one of my favorites as well. So the green heron. This is a small and stocky bird with a dagger-like bill and a thick neck that is often drawn into their body. Adults have a deep green back and crown and a chestnut neck and breast. Juveniles are small and compact, but they are browner overall, with pale streaking on the neck and spots on the wings with a dark cap. So this small heron usually hunts from shore rather than wading like other larger herons. That's why one of the reasons I like them. So green heron bird, the green heron birds are often overlooked by some because it's tucked away or hunched under um, the at the water's edge under a tangle of leaves and they'll be on their slender yellow legs, which sometimes are hard to see since they are hidden so well. The green heron is well aware of its surroundings and knows when it has been discovered. So if you're lucky to have it tolerate your presence, then you will see it crouch down patiently to surprise a fish with a snatch and a grab of its dagger-like bill. This next characteristic is really one of why it's one of my favorites. The green heron is one of the world's few tool-using bird species. You may learn more about this subject by listening to our Birds and Tools podcast, and if you haven't done that, please do. It is mind-boggling. Green herons often create fishing lures with bread crusts, insects, or feathers by dropping these items on the surface of the water to entice small fish. And no, for those of you saying, ah, oh, it just happened to fall down there, they have done lots of different scientific studies, and the green herons are doing this intentionally. So occasionally you'll see green herons diving for deep water prey, and then they need to swim back to shore to take care of that. I have never seen that. I've only seen them hunting on the shore. So I've never seen you, them do it either, but... Um, that would be something to see. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So green herons are year-round residents in Arizona, and they are found along inland wetlands in Arizona, and that is going to be lakes, ponds, riverways, and other wet habitats, such, of course, as golf courses, um, with trees and shrubs to provide secluded nest sites. So green herons do eat a variety of small fish, insects, spiders, crustaceans, amphibians, reptiles, and small rodents. Pretty much if it's fitting in their mouth, they're eating it. Yes, 
When it's time to pair up for breeding season, the male selects a secluded site within his territory and he starts the nest. But once he finds a mate, the male heron will turn that construction over to the female. It's probably a good idea. You know, she's going to make it the way she wants it. (laughs) And the nest is generally made of long, thin sticks that the female fashions into a home about 12 inches in diameter. Uh, Both sexes will help brood the eggs and feed the chicks. And the chicks may stay with their parents for more than a month, which is actually quite a long time after leaving the nest. That's quite a long time. But they have to learn how to forage, and then, of course, they have to learn how to fish, all that kind of stuff. So green herons are territorial and will defend their nest site. The overall population of these herons has declined, sadly, by 51%, and this is mainly due to habitat loss and contaminants in wetlands, because that is, of course, where it lives. So the next one is the black-crowned night heron. The black-crowned night heron is a stocky and compact bird that often tucks its neck into its body, creating a hunchback look. Adults have a black cap and back that contrasts with its whitish to pale gray belly and gray wings. Juveniles are brown and streaky all over with a pale yellow, yellowish bill. These birds are most active at night or at dusk, giving them a ghostly appearance as they come flapping out of their daytime roosts to forage along the waterways they inhabit. These are very social birds that breed in colonies of stick nests usually built over water. They live along the waterways of fresh, salt, or brackish wetlands, such as streams, rivers, lakes, ponds, lagoons, and the canals here in Arizona, and the zoo. There, there are quite a few yes. of them at the Phoenix Zoo. And are the widespread, the large, it's widespread worldwide. In other words, this heron is found all over the world, like in uh, Europe and Asia and across the continents. Probably not Antarctica, but just about Yeah, not in Antarctica, but yeah, pretty much everywhere there's water. <laughs> yes. Night herons are opportunistic feeders that may eat many kinds of terrestrial um, an- freshwater and marine animals. Their diets consist of leeches, ugh, earthworms, insects. At least crazy. somebody's eating the leeches, yeah, you know? That's true. At least someone's yeah, eating them. <laughs> we do need, yeah, population control there. Uh, earthworms, insects, crayfish, clams, mussels, mussels, fish, amphibians, lizards, snakes, turtles, rodents, birds, and eggs, bird eggs. Or I guess rod- uh, rodent, or, uh, not rodent, but reptile or eggs. Yeah. They avoid eating during the day so as not to compete with the longer-legged heron species. When it comes time to start a family, the male chooses a nest site in a tree or in cattails, usually in an area safe from predators. Night herons are colony nesters, often dozens nest together in an area. That can be noisy and messy. Yeah. The male starts building a platform nest out of sticks, twigs, and woody vegetation. And when he finds a mate, he will pass the job of the nest building to her, just like with the green herons. The male and female work together to provide for the family until the fledglings disperse out into the world. It is surprising that this bird's population is stable. 
across most of the U.S. since it lives along the water's edge, which exposes the bird to contaminants in the water as well as development and draining of its watery habitat. Night herons are tolerant of disturbances such as traffic and other human activities, so they are especially useful for revealing environmental deterioration in urban environments. So we can learn from the black-crowned night heron. Yeah. Because it'll live alongside us. Yes. We should pay attention to adapters because when they start going downhill, then we know we have a serious problem. Yeah, it's a warning sign. Yes. All right. So the last one we're going to talk about in this podcast is the great blue heron. And this heron is my friend Casey's favorite bird. And if you've ever seen one, then you know why. This stately heron often stands motionless as it scans for prey or wades belly deep with long, deliberate steps. These birds may move slowly, but great blue herons can strike like lightning to grab a fish or snap up a gopher. I, yes, that is correct. I said gopher. Yeah. That's <laughs> it was a Yes. Yes, they don't have to discriminate as much. They're much, much larger than everybody else. The adult, as I was just about to say, the adults are very large and tall. I mean, these guys can be like five feet tall. Yes. Um, with a long neck, and they are a grayish blue all over, hence the name, with a long orangish yellow bill. Adults have a black crown and black head plumes. Juveniles are a grayish blue with pale belly, dark streaking on the neck, and its bill is long and dusky colored. It's not going to be that bright yellow. Despite their size, great blue heron adults only weigh about five to six pounds. Now, this, of course, is in part to the hollow bones that a good majority of birds have. Um, Another interesting fact is that the great blue heron, they have excellent night vision. So no one is safe when it is on the hunt you little uh, frogs that might be out at night, don't play it safe. (laughs) I don't know how many birds have, well, I guess uh, owls would have night vision, but I wouldn't think that it would be in the heron. Right. This is mostly a diurnal bird. It's uh, up during the day a lot of the time, so you wouldn't expect him to have great night vision. But maybe he's an equal opportunity. You know, I get up at midnight and I'm hungry and I'm going to get a snack. Yep. Equal opportunity (laughs) hunter. Yes. So these large herons do live in both freshwater and saltwater habitats, and they also forage in grasslands and agricultural fields where they stalk frogs and small mammals. So great for gophers out there. If you have a horse pasture or something like that, these guys are great to have around if they're snatching your gophers. Here in Arizona, the great blue herons may be found along rivers and streams, lakes, canals, golf course ponds, agricultural, and irrigation fields. Now, great blue herons have benefited from the reintroduction and recovery of the beaver population in North America, go beavers, because, of course, they change the wetlands and they make these lovely ponds because beavers are such great engineers, the great blue heron also is able to use them. In flight, the great blue heron folds its neck into an S shape. There's not another bird that does that, so that's a very Mm -hmm. good giveaway. And it trails its long legs behind. It's very unusual flying posture. And then when they're ready to come in for a landing, they dangle those long legs underneath them. (laughs) 
It doesn't look like it would work well, but it works well. So when watching, and I agree with this statement too, <laughs> that you put in here, when watching this bird fly with its slow, deep wing baits, it's like watching a pterodactyl flying out over a primordial swamp. That's what I always think when I see them. Yeah, I have to agree with that. So great blue herons do nest mainly in trees, which also I find interesting because they're such a tall, tall bird. You'd think they wouldn't feel very comfortable in a tree, but that is where they are. Uh, they will nest on the ground of the bushes and on mangroves and structures such as duck blinds, channel markers, or artificial nest platforms. Now, these large birds are colony nesters like the black-crowned night heron. They nest, uh, their nests are generally made out of sticks gathered by the male, and then the female will line the nest with plant materials such as pine needles, moss, reeds, or dry grass. Colonies of the great blue herons can get quite large with up to 50 or more pairs in an area. Now, that's a lot. These are pretty big birds. Yeah, that's so a lot. So that is a lot. So these colonies, once established, can last for over 50 years as long as they're not disturbed, and that's pretty cool. Uh, great blue herons do have elaborate courtship and, I'm sorry, courtship, not courtship, courtship and pair bonding displays that include ritualized greetings, stick transfers, and more. I found that interesting, too. I do, too. Because, you know, storks and sandhill cranes, they have those ritual greetings. So the yeah. great blue heron has some of that, too, in their... Alive. Yeah, I think anything, I think it's very interesting. You know, how do you, how did they recognize their partner from last year? Because they're not spending all year with each other. Yeah. And, but they wait around, they'll wait around for their partner to show up. And I, I think that that's really interesting. So um, once again, because the great blue heron depends on wetlands for feeding and on relatively undisturbed sites for breeding, they are vulnerable to habitat loss and human impacts such as traffic, logging, motorboats, chemical pollutants, or other causes of reduced water quality. And we know that's a problem in Arizona, so just keep an eye out for yes. these wonderful birds. Yes. So today, Kirsten and I shared... Uh, with you, uh, interesting uh, facts and descriptions about three amazing shore wading birds that reside in, reside in Arizona. The great blue heron was the first bird that opened me up to the majesty and marvel of the bird world. I was eight years old on a very early morning bird walk along the saltwater marshes of Long Island Sound in New York. It was a sunrise, there was a mist rising off the water, and then out into the open moves this huge bird as tall as I was. I can still see it all these years later. And the black-crowned night heron is an intense discovery when you are out birding along the water's edge. It is rarely flustered by humans, so I have many times come across it just as it is about to snag a meal. This bird tolerance for people in its space is one of the reasons its population is more stable than the green heron. And last but not least, the green heron's elusive behavior of skulking among the grasses and reeds as water laps at its feet makes it a joyous discovery when spotted. It is reluctant to have an audience, so it is so rare to get any real time to watch it. But in one of my but it's one of my favorites to look for when I'm out birding at the Gilbert Water Ranch. The green heron's croaking 
like call, makes it even more an oddity and worth the search. So hopefully this has intrigued some of our listeners, if not all, to get up and out to the water this summer to wade along with these herons who know just where to find the best fish. <laughs> 